Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Tuesday, November 24th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. The saga of the infamous pig couch on Craigslist. A strange metal monolith has appeared without explanation in a deserted Red Rock Cove in Utah. What does Yellowstone National Park have to do with the COVID-19 test kits? And a new device that will let you listen to things privately without others being able to hear and with no headphones required. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So this was a quick link over on Kaki.org over the weekend that I just had to dig into. The saga of the Craigslist pig couch. There is a big, squashy, salmon-colored, sort of suede-looking couch in the shape of a pig that has been popping up on Craigslist regularly for at least five years. Or at least a photo of it has been, because this pig-shaped couch, as weird and wondrous as it looks, is unfortunately one of Craigslist's most recurring scams. People post the photo claiming that they're selling it, and when they get a buyer, they back out. One person who recently fell for it, Abigail Rowe, was just browsing free stuff on Craigslist when the pig-shaped couch caught her eye. I mean, how could it not? It was posted by a man named Andrew who claimed to be a furniture artist and said he would give it to whoever explained the best why they wanted it, what it meant to them. Rowe played ball, penning a poem and sending it to Andrew. But after a while, she heard back from him and he broke the news that he didn't have the pig couch. He had been set up by a woman that he'd been dating. She made the ad as a sort of revenge joke with his contact info so that he'd get pestered with weird messages about the pig couch. The revenge she was seeking? According to him, she was mad that he wasn't vegan. So kind of thematic for her to have chosen the pig couch. But where did she get the photo? Well, Roe, the one who was trying to acquire the couch, did a reverse image search and found listings for the couch going back several years located all over the country. Not much can be gleaned about the many listings that Roe has found. You know, did anyone actually profit like a true scam, or were they just pranks or revenge ploys like she had stumbled into? But earlier this month, a new listing for the couch appeared, and the New York Times was able to investigate. The listing, beneath the same photo of the pig couch as all the others, read, quote, Selling it for $250 even though my boyfriend and I bought it for over 11000 and it's in pristine condition. Need someone to pick it up ASAP as my new boyfriend hates it and sadly this is a non-negotiable for him. End quote. This, like all the others, was fake. But it was done by a true virtuoso of Craigslist capers, 31-year-old Marisol Martinez. She's been duping Craigslist visitors with varying degrees of absurdity since 2011. When bored with her commute from Brooklyn to Manhattan, she posted an ad asking for someone to ferry her across the East River. Quoting the Times, She would not stick to a set schedule, she said in the ad, and the rides had to be free. Certain conversation topics would be off-limits. Some people responded angrily, calling her arrogant. Others wrote her poetry. Some asked if she would chip in for gas. She moved on to other lighthearted posts. In one, she posed as a snail who had upgraded to a larger shell and sought to rent the old one. It's perfect for the adolescent gastropod looking to expand his or her living space while avoiding predators. You'll love the rare left-handed spiraling, steep aperture, and funky asymmetrical whirls. 
In another, she advertised her services as a fragmented consciousness technician offering to repair people's broken brains, end quote. So when she stumbled on the photo of the pig couch, of course she went for it. But this time, the pig couch caught the attention of its original creator, Pavia Burroughs, a fiber artist from Philadelphia. Here are the illustrious details, quoting again. First of all, Miss Burroughs would like the world to know that it's a chair, not a couch. His name is Hillhock, a portmanteau of Hillock, a small knoll on which to sit, and Hamhock, a cut of pork. He's hand-stitched from velvet and satin, stuffed with foam, making him surprisingly lightweight despite his bulk. He was originally part of a living room set, including a rug, a side table, and a lamp that Miss Burroughs presented as part of her sculpture thesis in 2011. The rug, fashioned out of paper, was meant to look like dirt, and there were paper flowers, myrtle, and bloodroot growing in it and climbing up onto Hillhock. The side table had a fiber root structure pouring out of one side, and the lamp was a normal lamp. End quote. After exhibiting the chair, she tried to sell it, but had to keep lowering the price because no one would buy it. Eventually, a guy bartered her down to $500. She doesn't remember the dude's name, but the intrepid reporters at the Times have managed to track him down. Despite what the many listings online would lead you to believe, Hillhock has not spent the last several years globetrotting, but rather has stayed in one location, with the same man that Burroughs sold him to years ago. His name is Martin Roche, and he used to run a cybersecurity startup called Sourcefire, which made software called Snort, because it, quote, sniffed at packets of internet traffic to detect threats, end quote. And accordingly, its mascot was a pig. Roche bought the pig to keep in the startup's offices, much to the amusement of employees and visitors. Hillhock even moved offices with the company when they were acquired by Cisco, and though Roche has left, Hillhock still happily resides in Sourcefire's new digs. Despite the mystery being solved, I'm sure fake posts will still continue to pop up, and the original artist Pavia Burroughs says it is weird that this old piece has become her most famous work, but she said, quote, The pig couch now belongs to the internet. It's bigger than me. I have no ownership. End quote. All right, here's a story straight out of a sci-fi novel. A helicopter crew from Utah's Department of Public Safety were out on a routine assignment counting bighorn sheep in the southeastern part of the state when they spotted a mysterious silver monolith in the middle of the Red Rock. Standing about 10 to 12 feet tall, a perfect, shiny, triangular prism, the crew says it definitely looks like it was planted there on purpose, not dropped from above on accident. Short of some NASA experiment, pilot Brett Hutchings thinks it was probably put there by an artist, maybe a fan of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It does bear a striking resemblance to the black monolith that appears in that film. But the Department of Public Safety reminded people in a statement that installations on public land require permits, quote, no matter what planet you're from, end quote. They've also said they won't disclose exactly where they found it because it's in a location that could be dangerous to navigate for amateur hikers and they don't want to cause curious visitors to injure themselves or become stranded. But they did post a bunch of photos and videos taken by the crew with the monolith, including one where one of the guys is standing on top of another one's shoulders to get a measurement of the monolith, I guess. Link in the show notes so you can see for yourself what this mysterious structure looks like. I'm kind of curious how long it's been there. 
you know, how often do people fly over this part of Red Rock country looking for sheep or otherwise paying close enough attention to have noticed it? The Guardian pointed out that some people have noticed the monolith bear's striking resemblance to the works of artist John McCracken, who did live in nearby New Mexico but died eight years ago. His gallerist, David Zwerner, did not return a request for comment from The Guardian. Is it possible the monolith has been there for over eight years, just waiting to be discovered? Or was it planted by someone else? Or something else? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. In the mid-20th century, scientists believed the maximum temperature a living organism could withstand was 73 degrees Celsius, or about 163 degrees Fahrenheit. But then in 1966, a microbiologist named Thomas Brock discovered a bacteria in the Lower Geyser Basin area in Yellowstone National Park, a bacteria that could survive in near-boiling water. It was named Thermus aquaticus. Brock, along with his students, continued studying Thermus aquaticus and found that it was not unique to Yellowstone. In fact, not only was it found in various thermal springs all over the world, but they also found it in the hot water system of their own Indiana University. They also discovered that Thermus aquaticus produced an enzyme during part of its life cycle that was also super heat resistant, being able to withstand boiling temperatures. And this enzyme they dubbed TAC, T-A-Q, short for Thermus Aquaticus, TAC DNA polymerase. Fast forward 20 years and TAC DNA polymerase would turn out to be the key in developing the polymerase chain reaction, or PCR method, which is, quoting JSTOR Daily, molecular reactions necessary for identifying the presence of an organism's DNA or RNA in a small sample. It's also used in DNA sequencing, genetic engineering, and paternity testing. It works by replicating the original DNA string over and over, or amplifying it to make the detection possible. End quote. Even if you weren't familiar with the initialism PCR this time last year, by now you've likely heard of it as one of the ways that the standard nasal swab COVID test is referred to, the PCR test. But back to Thermus aquaticus. It was biochemist Carrie B. Mullis in the 1980s who conceived of a series of reactions that could replicate DNA. But, quoting again, there was a snag. The reactions necessary for the DNA replication to happen required the reagents to undergo a series of heating and cooling. However, the high temperatures damaged the enzyme involved in copying, essentially cooked it, complicating and slowing down the process. The polymerase we'd originally used was easily destroyed by heat. Consequently, more had to be added during each cycle of the reaction, Mollis wrote. He needed a heat-resistant molecule so the reaction could just continue without human interjection. End quote. Enter Thermus aquaticus, or more specifically, TAC DNA polymerase. As a stable enzyme that remains active at high temperatures, it would only need to be added at the beginning of the reaction, no human interference necessary. And it worked. Mullis's technique using the TAC DNA polymerase was soon patented, with rights later being sold for $300 million. It was named the Molecule of the Year in 1989, and Mullis even won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry a few years later. Because it really was a breakthrough. It's not just used in the COVID-19 swab test, it's used to test patients and objects for the presence of infectious agents, 
but also used in DNA sequencing, gene expression analysis, gene cloning, ancient DNA analysis, and DNA fingerprinting. In fact, JSTOR Daily notes that Mullis himself was called upon as an expert witness in the O.J. Simpson trial to explain the method. So yeah, Thermus Aquaticus is pretty hot stuff. Or it can withstand pretty hot stuff anyways. And now, the next time you get a swab stuck up your nose, you can thank Yellowstone National Park and Thomas Brock for the discovery that led to that very crucial, if uncomfortable, test. If you've been working or attending school from home these past several months and live with other people, you've probably been wearing headphones even more than usual so as not to disturb each other. Well, one day, you may be able to keep whatever you're listening to to yourself without wearing headphones. That is the future promised by a technology called sound beaming, and Israeli company Noveto has produced a prototype device called the Sound Beamer 1.0, the first branded consumer product using the technology that they hope to introduce into markets before Christmas of 2021. Right now, it looks like a long black bar, but they hope to make it smaller and sleeker in the future. Basically, it allows you to hear whatever you're playing, music, a video game, a conference call, within a sort of sound bubble, and no one outside of the bubble can hear what you're playing. Quoting the Associated Press, The technology uses a 3D sensing module and locates and tracks the ear position, sending audio via ultrasonic waves to create sound pockets by the user's ears. Sound can be heard in stereo or a spatial 3D mode that creates 360 degrees sound around the listener, the company said. By changing a setting, the sound can follow a listener when they move their head. It's also possible to move out of the beam's path and hear nothing at all, which creates a surreal experience, end quote. It's a little tough to understand or to describe unless you experience it for yourself, and when that happens, it almost feels like a parlor trick. You're hearing the sound as clearly as if it were just coming out of your computer or TV speakers, but other people outside of the bubble can't hear it at all. CEO Christoph Romstein said, quote, The brain doesn't understand what it doesn't know, end quote, which does seem to kind of sum up how people feel in experiencing this technology and in trying to describe it. For his part, Romstein thinks sound beaming has the potential to be as disruptive as the iPod was in how we listen to music, which is pretty big talk, and I think I'll just need to hear it to believe it. That is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go see how much that startup wants for the pig couch so that I can drop it in the middle of the Mojave Desert and see how long it takes for someone to notice. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.